right. So as we continue in our, our study through stewardship, we're on week eight. And uh, this morning, we'll be talking about the stewardship of our time. Um, the Lord gives us all things that we have to steward and to steward well. Relationships, family, friends, um, our jobs, uh, our houses, children, and even our time. Um, and so we want to think through how can we steward our time better. Um, and I think we would, you know, most people in this room would agree that uh, time is precious. Um, but it's something that we can't, and it's precious in part because we can't get it back. You know, when your cell phone is dying, you plug it in and you get that life back. Um, when we're tired, um, we can sleep and the Lord gives us sleep. He rests us to sort of give us, you know, uh, rejuvenated energy. Uh, my car battery died yesterday and I just bought another one. I got that back. Um, but time is something that we can't get back. We, each minute, each second, each week, month, year, it's, it's gone. Um, and now we can look at that and, I mean, you see this throughout Ecclesiastes, it deals with uh, time. Uh, one, there's a time for all things, but two, time is, is fleeting, it's, it's passing. And so we can look at it and we can walk away a few different ways. We can walk away discouraged. Um, my time is uh, gone. We can look at our lives and say, man, I'm not using my time well. We can look at our lives and say, I think I'm making good, good use of my time. We could become very cynical and pessimistic and say, well, what, what's the point? Uh, why are we even considering the, the use of our time anywhere? We're just mad or here today, gone tomorrow. Um, but when we look at the Bible and consider the Christian um, you know, worldview about time, we, we have some other categories to think through when it comes down to how we use our time. Now, we, we live in a culture that is, uh, has a sort of messed up sense of um, the, the worth and the value of, of time. So there might be three basic views as to what um, people think about when they consider time. So first view, potentially, is the view of the uh, hedonist, where time is just about fun, right? Um, what can I do to, to um, just spend my time for fun, eating, drinking, being merry? Um, not even that that is uh, wrong, but if that's it for you, then it's, it's wrong. Um, so there's, there's the hedonist view. Second view of time is that time is just about accomplishing things. Um, I just want to do and do and do and do, and that's how I know that I'm doing well with, with my time. So productivity for that person is everything. That sort of reigns supreme in their view of time. Um, Henry Ford wrote that um, work is the salvation of the human race, he said, morally, uh, physically, and socially. Now, uh, you sort of see his view of, of time um, and that sort of productivity accomplishment view of, view of time. Um, a time that we can, uh, at times, I think we can probably have somewhat of a, a Christianized view of Henry Ford's view of time. Um, where you, we value uh, time to be uh, more than even uh, building healthy uh, relationships, or, or we value productivity in time more than God, more than building healthy relationships. Um, and that's not a healthy view of, of time. 
So we weren't created merely to, merely to be uh, productive in, in, in work. That is a part of our, uh, an attribute of us as creatures. Um, but we're not created merely for that. It's not only about productivity, because um, that can be a, a wrong view of time and become a god. Now, there's a third view of time, that time is just about survival, right? So you wake up, and it's just about getting through this day and getting to the next day. And maybe <laughs> you felt like that at times. I felt, I felt like that at times. But this, but this person's, this uh, sort of survivalist view of time is something that is, um, when I'm categorizing these, I'm talking about practices, I'm talking about worldviews. The survivalist view of time is just, it says, well, we don't need to give thought to you know, the future. Um, you know, we're just here today, gone tomorrow. It's just, we're sort of come from a primordial soup. We're gonna be gone anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's just, you know, live for today. We'll, you know, and just figure out how to survive. So th there's no um, thought of the future planning or, or anything like that. So that, that's, that's not a, a right view of time either. Now, um, to those uh, assumptions that the Bible has, um, well, that the Bible doesn't speak to this is what I sort of want to speak to today. Um, the Bible does speak to what, what time is for us. What our time is for, it talks about. Who our time is for, it talks about. And how we can steward our time well. Now, um, on your handout there, you'll see um, first, we're going to talk about who our time is for. And so, who is the master of our time? So, who is the master of, of, of our time, of all time? God. Well, there wasn't a trick question. I wasn't trying to trick. <laughs> it's God. God owns our time. Psalm 31:15 says, "My times are in your hand." So, uh, humankind has come a long way in a lot of different areas towards making all sorts of things, but we have yet to create even one second of time. We haven't figured out how to make time, and we won't. Um, time is a gift given by God, of course. Uh, and as with all gifts given by God, it comes with a responsibility. Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from his sight, God, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account, um, even for our use of time. Right? So God owns time. God has entrusted you with the time you have. Now, before we continue, let's, let's stop here. I'm going to stop here and just ask, ask a question. What are some implications of the fact, uh, the reality, that God owns our time? What are some implications of that? What, what, what does that mean for how we live, what we do, what we don't do, what we think about, what we give ourselves to? What do you think? When interruptions happen to our plan, our schedule, yeah. that, you know, and rest more in the sovereignty of God, knowing that, like, okay, He planned this interruption. Mm, yeah. So rather than it being a stumbling block for me, let yeah. me see what I'm supposed to be getting. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. That can be hard when you get a flat tire, um, or like yesterday, <laughs> coming back on the highway, my battery died on my truck, and it was. I, I felt some way at first. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get home to my kids, 
been a hard, uh, tough, tough morning. Um, but yes, it did. Well, it's a long story. <laughs> the first time it didn't, the second time it did. <laughs> that type of weekend I've been having so far. Um, but yeah, it, it was, that, that's good, it's true um, to give thought to. So trying to be there and remember that this isn't by accident, right? Um, everything that happens, the Lord has preordained and it's for our good, even the things that, what we consider interrupting our plans and time. So yeah, anybody else? How does the fact that God owns time sort of affect how you think about time and what you do? Yeah. I, I think for me, it'll, it'll put me a little bit at ease because uh, maybe things like, yeah, I don't have enough time uh, in life to, to, do, to do a bunch of things or something. But then I right. think, well, like, like, uh, like if I'm supposed to have more time in life to do mm. stuff, then God will get Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And we're going to talk about that too. The, uh, the, the, the limitations He gave us in time, um, He gave us exactly what we need, not more, not less. So. Yeah. When you were getting on the concept of responsibility, I was just thinking of the verse of redeem the time. Yeah. So, like, we've been given time, and with that responsibility, you know, um, we, want, we want to do what's pleasing to him. Mm. Yeah. So. Amen. Yep. That's one aspect. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, you want to go ahead, buddy. God's like treasure the time God gives you. Yeah, absolutely. We should treasure, value the time God gives us because it's it's a gift from Him, and He gives it to us to uh, do good with, to steward well. That's absolutely right, buddy. God does give us time, and we ought to treasure it and value it. So that's uh, thinking about the master of our time. Now let's think about the mission um, of our time. So Isaiah 43, 7, it says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made. Right? So this points back to the master, but it um, talks in this category of um, that we're, God created us and we're supposed to be given to him, uh, which means our time is also given to him. First uh, Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So 1 Peter 2.9 says that you are saved and it's to proclaim God's excellencies. So he actually gives a, a, a sort of job description there for how we ought to spend our time. Um, Matthew 5:16 uh, in the same way let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven so all of these scriptures are um, giving us some type of description of how we should be spending our time proclaiming God's excellencies remembering that he formed and created us um, doing good so that um, it is unto God men see it and give God glory as well right so the master of time, uh, the mission, what, what, sh- what we should be doing with our time. And then now let's think through some, you'll see in your handout, um, ground rules, some ground rules for, for our time. Someone, uh, so someone go to Ephesians 5 and then 
read verses 15 and 16. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Who wants to read that for us? Kyle, thanks, bro. 15 and 16, yep. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. All right. Thank you. So watch how you walk. So he says, look carefully at it. In other words, um, observe closely how you walk making the best use of the time and wisdom essentially wisdom not foolishness wise not unwise right so um even the 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 steps we take daily in the management of our time he says consider observe think about how you can make the best use of that time so make the best use of time one one principle we see there and i think when we think about okay well how do i make the best use of the time. We know the scripture says it, but then we think, well, what does that look like? How do I know what's the best use of my time in any given situation? All right, so we have biblical principles, sort of foundations there. But then the tough part is these sort of nuanced situations. I could do this, I could do that. Um, Neither of those are evil, both are good. Which one do I do? And I think that's where it's, it's harder for us um, to try and figure that out. But I want us to think about that together. So trying to make the best use of the time. Um, it would be easy if we just woke up in the morning and there was like a, 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 a card on our nightstand and we flipped it over and it said, do this, right? That would make things a lot, a lot easier. You know, some people do have stuff like that. I don't think it's godly and good. But um, yes, that would make things a lot, a lot easier for us. But the Lord does not operate like that with, with, with his children. Um, he gives us uh, wisdom. He gives us discernment. And he calls us to um, Romans 2, uh, 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, uh, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we learn this actually in a process of sanctification. And I know that's not um, you know, the, 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 the easy answer. That's not turnover card and it tells us, but that's how God operates. Um, he gives us the word, he gives us wisdom, and he says, okay, as you live and you're being sanctified, um, you will be able to better test, by testing, discern what is the will of God. Um, and I think it, it may be easier than we think it is at times to try and discern what we ought to do. It, it can be difficult, but I think at times we may be prone to over, overthink that. Um, I come from a, a church background in a context where it was like I get up in the morning and first I would command the morning and say the day will bring forth this. Um, and then I would get in my car and I would sort of listen literally and say, okay, I'm at a stoplight. Do I go left or right? And I stop and I ask and I hear left and I go left. And that's how I live my life every day in college. I'm just going to class, go to class and get there on time. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, and it, it, there's that sort of, I would say I was on an extreme. 
um, to where I, I wasn't, it was sort of just trying to hear um, with little Bible and more of my imagination. Not, not everyone's there, but I was there. And I think that's, a, that, that's not what I'm saying here, obviously, but I'm saying that with the Bible open, um, with wisdom and even counsel, God sanctifies us and we're able to better discern what is the will of God and how we ought to spend our time. And I'll, take, I'll talk about that in some other practical ways as we go through the class. Um, okay, so first we wanna, um, under this category of ground rules, we wanna think about one principle, uh, the principle of um, obey the master. The, the master is God, obeying him with the use of our time. So God's giving, um, he, he's given us various responsibilities. All of us in our own life and context have responsibilities. We have circumstances. Um, each of us have something that we're given to each day. And we have biblical commands that govern uh, what we ought to be doing with our time. And we have black and whites of scripture that govern the grays of, of scripture. So how do we make the best use of our time in our own specific circumstances? So if you have kids, um, there's a whole lot of commands about your responsibilities to them. Same goes for your friendships, church relationships, um, or church membership even. Your role, um, if you have a boss or an employee, your responsibilities as a citizen and a neighbor. So some of these roles, like citizen and church member, will always be true. Others, like the career, marital status, those things change. You were, if you were married, you were single at one point, and now you're married, so your responsibilities have, have changed. Um, if you work at Starbucks and you transition to working at Target, your responsibilities will, will change. Um, and so thinking through some of those things is what, is what can be difficult at times. Um, so let's think about on your job. What's a, what, what's a principle or command you can think about for um, at work? I have a, um, I'm the uh, employee, I have an employer, um, I have a boss, I work for this person. What are some biblical principles that you can apply to work, no matter what you do? What, what, what scriptures come to mind for you? Whatever you do, do all things to God's glory. Yep. Whatever you do, all things for the glory of God, right? That's an underlying principle for your work, right? Um, <clears throat> Colossians 2.23. Whatever you do, um, work heartily um, as for the Lord and not for men. So that's an underlying biblical principle for work across the board. First uh, Peter 2.18 says, Servants, be subject to your own masters with all respect not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. So as long as your boss is not telling you to do something sinful, um, you ought to give yourself and work heartily to serve that employer. That's an underlying principle, biblical principle for work. So that's whether you work at Starbucks, uh, Kroger's, the gas station, Food Lion, wherever. Food line does not exist anymore, does it? I think that's that's gone. Publix, let's say. Um, whatever you, wherever you are, that applies. Um, you have children. What are some underlying biblical principles, commands for you? Your job description as a parent. What comes to mind? Everybody's looking at Kyle like. <laughs> you gonna say something? <laughs> 
What comes to mind? Even if you're single, I know you got some, you know, some thoughts about this. So what comes to mind? Some scriptures. I'm just thinking of the first four chapters of the book of Proverbs because it's yeah. you know, father, father to his son yep. and just yep. admonishing him to walk in wisdom. Yeah. And, um, yep. So, so all those, those, yeah, first four, four chapters, um, this uh, the instruction to his son, my son, hear these words and he gives them, gives him these, these instructions. Um, what about Ephesians 6, right? The beginning of Ephesians 6 gives instructions to children and to parents. Um, uh, fathers, don't provoke your children to, to, to wrath, to anger. Um, don't agitate them. Uh, children, obey your parents and the Lord. So these are biblical principles for child raising, right? Um, so with those things in place, even if we're, we're considering that doesn't tell us whether to do laundry that morning or whether to take the kids on a walk, right? Um, but there are biblical principles in place that at least give some guidance as uh, sort of the, 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 the foundation, the walls, and the roof of the house, and we operate within those biblical principles. Um, now, I'll, I'll get to those specifics of laundry or walking in a bit, but just laying a foundation. These are ground, ground rules. Um, so the first ground rule, applying God's good commands to the different areas of life that he's given. So the black and whites govern the gray. Um, if we're called not fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, it's not a part of your job description to agitate them, to uh, be someone who does things, says things, um, interacts with them in a way that easily agitates them. So that's not a part of your, your job description. Right? <clears throat> okay. So going, uh, ground rules, going from obey the master to uh, the master is in control. Sovereignty of God stuff. So the thing about time is that it's, we feel like it's never enough, right? To your point earlier, Ben. Um, You feel like there's a lot to do and you just don't have enough time to do everything. But we have to remind ourselves that the amount of time we have is exactly what the Lord has given to us um, since the uh, beginning of uh, creation. So precisely the amount is what he's given you to do whatever he has given to you to do within that period of time. So it's not, um, it's not arbitrary or just sort of thrown out there. God has given us sunrise to sunset um, in, in, a, in a 24-hour hour day. So if we get to the end of our day and we say, man, I just didn't have enough time today. Um, the issue isn't that uh, you didn't have enough time. The issue is usually that we've managed the time in such a way that wasn't the best, or we have managed it well, and we need to rest in the sovereignty of God and what he's allowed us to do that day. So if we don't get to um, the, the, the laundry or fixing the, the pipe in the kitchen or mowing the yard or you know whatever, there's an there's a opportunity every day to recognize our dependence on the Lord and just rest, not become anxious or agitated or, man, I really wanted to do that today. That's great that you really wanted to do that, <laughs> but the Lord didn't have that, that for you. Um, this happens to us all the time, every day. I feel it as much as, as, much as you do. Um, we have, we're, we're, we're parents, we're mothers, we're, we're daughters, we're coworkers, we're students, you know, we're fathers, we're husbands, we're 
you know, many things, and it always feels like we don't, we don't have enough time. But that's a part of God's design and his limitation to his creatures. Um, he gives us rest every night. He sleeps us, he rests us, and he gives us, um, even thinking about um, Ephesians where it says that uh, the Lord has, um, <clears throat> he, he's predestined for us good works. Um, he's given us grace to carry out those good works which he predestined for us in Christ. We are his workmanship. Um, he knows exactly what those are for every single day. And uh, it's, it's, it's perfect. So remembering God is the master of time and resting in that. So again, even when we don't get to everything, um, that's, that's okay. <clears throat> I was reading a book this past week um, called The Pastor's Soul. And in that book, Jim Sevastio said this. It was really actually comforting. He said, we are not infinite. Um, we are not tireless. And when God sees that we are not God, he is not angry or frustrate, frustrated. When God sees that we're not God, he's not angry or frustrated. He knows you are but dust. Yes, glorious, spirit indwelled dust, but dust nonetheless. And that was comforting to me <laughs> because I am, my personality, I'm a doer. I have, I want to go through the checklist, just the satisfaction of checking it off a list is very <laughs> satisfying to me personally. And to know that, okay, I didn't get to that thing and that's okay is really comforting. So on those days, again, when you don't get to do everything you plan to do, you can trust in God that he has limited you for your good. Um, third thing to, for us to, to think about is that time is short. Now, um, that can lead to an extreme, right? So we can say God has everything covered, so... I really don't have to worry about doing, doing anything. I can just sort of sit back and sort of let go and let God. Um, and that's not the right view of that. When I say time is short, that's not what I want to put into your minds. <clears throat> Listen to Psalm uh, 39, 4 to 5. It says, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. And my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. So the days are short. In other words, our life is like on a cold day when you walk out and you blow your breath in the air and just watch it disappear. It says your, your days are a hand breath. It's here and it's gone. And at the same time, he says, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days. So he doesn't say your life is a hand breath, so it doesn't matter. He actually prays. He says, yes, my life is a hand breath. Lord, you, you tell me this. I know this. But make me to know the measure of, of, of my days. Make me to know it's a breath. And there's also in that a principle of, um, I would say, a uh, stewardship, a thought of how we ought to um, manage our time. Um, <clears throat> Moses prayed in Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So Psalm 39, my life is a hand breath. My days are a, hand, a breath, mist, gone, vapors. Psalm 90, teach me to number my days and to gain a heart of wisdom. Right, so 
We don't become cynical. We don't say, well, it's passing anyway, so it doesn't matter. We say, because it's passing, help me to steward it well. Um, because it's passing, help me to, to, to honor God with, with my days. Um, so then, let's sort of put this together. So there's an urgent priority to use our time to show off the goodness and glory of God. And there's uh, trusting ourselves and our time to God um, and asking for wisdom and help in that. And there's the principle of allowing the black and white of Scripture to govern the gray of Scripture, right? Um, <clears throat> so I'll pause there before we go to obstacles for better using our time. Any questions, thoughts? Okay, so we're going to jump to the next part in your handout, which is obstacles. What are some obstacles to using our time wisely? So, well, I'm going to ask you <laughs> before I go through this. For you, what are some obstacles for using your time wisely? What are some things you feel like it's just co constantly coming up in your life that you feel is just a hindrance to you using your time wisely? <clears throat> If you don't want to share, that's fine. But if you do, Barani, yes. That's first on our list. Here. Oh, <laughs> nice. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's nice. good. You being authentic, and I appreciate that. But, um, yeah. I struggle with that because working Monday through Friday, coming home, having things to do at home, and we get just one of those chill. Yeah. So I think it's just. Yeah, yep, yep. Well, it's not first for no reason. <laughs> I think a lot of people struggle with that. <laughs> oh. oh, all right. <laughs> He's like looking at his dad like confessions. <laughs> There's a lot of truth in that. Like wanting, like things that we find really pleasurable. Yeah, yeah. Not doing it in moderation. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We're all really tempted. Yes, I am. Like I make clear what's moderation. That's good. That's good. Anybody else? Hmm. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yep. So having a short view and not a long view of the time the Lord gave us. Yep. Yep. So um, when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with ADD, and um, I was just kind of distracted when I was supposed to be doing schoolwork or yeah. whatever. I was playing video games. I was fully, but it's, yeah. I, it's so I don't know. It's kind of difficult for me to discern. Like, well, I know I have this condition, but then at the same time, I need to be sanctified and, and, and learn to yeah. uh, train my mind to be more productive and yeah. to do better. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of being distracted, and um, that's that can. I mean, I think everything, it, it's not like one thing. It's <laughs> right. laziness together with, it's like, multi distraction yeah. together yeah. with, like, yep. you know, yep. um, 
thought it was funny. You have this Tim Challies quote here. I, I've bought this book by Tim Challies. This is like top. I really appreciate his commentary, but it's more better. More better, yeah. And uh, it's like his his top book, uh, but the, by the uh, recommendations or whatever. But um, but I haven't read it because I haven't had the time. <laughs> yet. So collecting dust in my house. Um, yeah, so I think yeah. this is a good. Sunday school for me. Yeah, yeah. For me too. <laughs> Just because I'm teaching it don't mean I'm... <laughs> Every line is like... <laughs> but yeah, so first, under obstacles, laziness. Um, I think all of us to some degree in some area of life might, might struggle with that. Uh, Proverbs 6.6, 6, um, a verse for us to keep in mind. It says, go to the ant, O slugger. I'm, I'm not trying to call you a slugger. Just the verse. Um, I think all of us have these tendencies. Right? Go to the ant, O slugger. Consider her ways and be wise. So even, and this isn't, um, it's proverbial, but it's also, uh, there's, there's a real, like, consider, uh, you can look at creation, and God teaches us lessons through creation. He says, look at the, the birds. They, need, they, they don't gather or, uh, he provides for them. Look at the, the lilies of the field, they neither toil nor spin. Look at the ant um, and consider her ways. So he gives us pictures in creation to, to learn from. Here he says, look at the ant and be wise. Um, the ant uh, works, 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 labors, works, works, labors. Um, and so he's speaking to the sluggard, um, the, the, the lazy of, of, of heart. Um, Proverbs 6, 10 to 11 says, a little sleep, a little slumber, uh, a little folding of the hands, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and, um, and, and want like an armed man. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. The same principle there. Um, a, 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 a passive uh, laziness, a, um, let me just uh, relax a little longer and a little longer, and a little longer, and it says poverty will come upon you like a robber. It uses this term robber. A robber comes, you think it's a, it's a thief in the night, he sneaks in, he steals, he doesn't come in the broad day, he comes upon you like, like a robber. Um, it, it steals from you. The robber steals from you is, is a, the, the principle there. Um, and it's funny because the robber, he says, a little sleep, a little slumber. Uh, you, old sluggard, sleep, slumber, folding of the hands, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. So he doesn't, so the, the poverty like a robber isn't um, detached from the laziness of the man, right? So those are actually connected in, this, in these verses. Um, and then a quote by Tim Challies, which Will sort of brought out. Um, he said that, as you study the slugger throughout Proverbs, you will see that he is a man who refuses to begin new ventures, a man who will not finish what he has begun, a man who will not face reality, and through it all, a man uh, who is, oh, oh, sorry, reality, and uh, though it all, a man who is restless, hopeless, and useless. His life is chaotic because his soul is chaotic. <clears throat> so, a quote from Tim Challies out of that Do More Better book, page 20. Um, but <clears throat> how many people have tried to conquer laziness through better scheduling, doing uh, a better uh, to-do list, better organization, better prioritization, better motivations, only 
to discover that the root of that laziness is deeper than the to-do list. That can be a hard uh, revelation that, you know, you, you feel like, okay, if I just get my list, my task list better, if I use this app for a better task list or write it down or have my phone remind me, it'll be better for me. And then we still find ourselves struggling and failing at our to-do list. That can be very discouraging. Um, but even, even in that, uh, there's a, there's an issue that they might be, there might be a couple issues. I'm talking to me and you. There might be a couple issues. One might be the, the task list that we can better organize, and the other might be a principle of, of, of faith, an, an issue of, of faith. Um, God has told us two important things about time that the sluggard does not believe. The sluggard does not believe that time is short. And the slugger does not believe that the reward, that there are rewards for using his time well, um, whatever the cost. And so even for us, as we think about time, we want to consider the, the long view, as Matt said earlier. Um, and we also want to consider that the Lord promises to reward those who diligently seek him. He promises to reward those who um, have in mind God and want to glorify him and the use of their time. Now, I'm not preaching a works-based righteousness. I'm not, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about uh, sanctification and, and the use of time. At times, the reward is the satisfaction of accomplishing things that you plan to do. And uh, there are rewards on that great day. So both, I think, uh, there's a principle of faith here that we have to consider as well. Um, uh, Remembering that time is short and remembering that God um, is pleased and he uh, gives grace to us and rewards, rewards those who are uh, striving to honor him with, with their time. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so decision making. Let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, think about where, where I want to go here. So... Um, Decision-making in time. This is what I was talking about earlier. Some, maybe some practical things that, that might help. So entrusting what we can't do to God and entrusting what we can do to God is something that we have to work at as well. Entrusting what we don't get to and entrusting what we do get to, giving them both to God and resting. Right? So if you talk to any new mom about um, how exhausted she is and whether that exhaustion comes from time-interrupted uh, uh, by sleep or uh, sleep interrupted by things or um, the zillion other responsibilities that she has. If you say, hey, new mom, you seem tired. <laughs> Don't ever say that. This is a hypothetical. <laughs> if you say, you seem really tired, um, is it because your sleep keeps getting interrupted or is it because it's, you have a zillion things to do? They'll probably say, yes, it's, it's both. <laughs> um, they're trying to think through, um, new moms and everyone else trying to think through how to use their time better. Um, very often, being a good steward of time means doing, um, at times, the hard things first. Making the decision, even though you don't know which path would be best, right? So we're not, we're not God. We don't have God's infinite wisdom and eye. Two things before you are good and you say, well, I can't sit her all day looking at A and looking at B and saying, which one, and we're searching the scriptures, which we should do, but we're searching and we're saying, which one, and we actually never do anything, or you actually have to make a decision. 
And so just choose one, pray, and ask God to give you grace to do it. Um, that's better than not doing anything. That, that's better than just sitting there. Um, and it, it may be hard, but you have to make that decision. And all of this, it has to be done in faith. In faith that God is in control of everything. In faith that God is in control of wrong decisions, which can be hard. Right? We have two before us. We make a decision, and it, it backfires in some way. And we say, man, I should have took the other route. And we become discouraged and anxious. And that it's the sixth cycle, because next time you have to make a decision, you're like, well, I don't want to make the wrong decision. It might backfire again. And it's... That, that, that's not a healthy way to make decisions and try to manage our time. We have to do all of this. Our salvation is by faith. Our sanctification is by faith. Our decision-making is by faith. Lord, give me wisdom. Both of these are good. I don't see any sin, <clears throat> any issue in either. I'm going to choose A. Bless the work of my hands as I do it. And rest. Do the work. Go to sleep and, and rest. Um... <clears throat> Now there's another species of laziness called passivity, which is sort of what I was hinting at. Passivity isn't simply, simply a personality thing. It comes from a lack of trust in God. Passivity goes all the way back to the fall in Adam. Our first father, while Eve ate of the fruit, was uh, passive, it was a simple passivity. So we have to be mindful of the subtle sin of passivity that still dwells in our natures. Um, <clears throat> We have to pray about that as well. Um, a second uh, stumbling block to um, decision making can be busyness. Busyness. Now, you might think that busyness is the opposite of laziness, but it's not, um, at least not, not often. Uh, we can be busy with the wrong things. <clears throat> so, you've heard the expression, don't work harder, work smarter. <clears throat> Well, that summarizes a lot of biblical wisdom in some areas. For the Christian, working smarter means being busy with the things that matter in God's economy. We can be busy with wrong things. Um, worldly people are busy with a lot of the wrong things. They're very busy, but uh, they're busy um, with the idols of their hearts. They're busy people-pleasing, man-pleasing. They're, they're busy just satisfying their desire at the moment, right? <clears throat> Busyness um, it can be a stumbling block to, to um, God-honoring work. So, first, <clears throat> some principles here. No matter how urgent any situation seems to be, don't allow busyness to crowd out any of, God's, any of your God-given responsibilities. So, you may feel this sense of urgency to, to do something, um, but don't let it become so um, debilitating to where you forget the biblical principles, those foundational principles that govern what you should be doing. Because that, that really is the time when you get really busy and your schedule is filled up with things that it's easiest to just forget, well, the Bible calls me to do this. Because you're, that anxiety sort of takes over and you just, well, I gotta pick something, I gotta do something. And it tends to crowd out those God-given responsibilities. And um, that, that happens to, to, to all of us. <clears throat> Second, remember that the threat of the urgency um, crowding, out of, crowding out those biblical principles is important um, because it keeps the main priorities of 
the Christian walk um, secondary, right? So if we live by those, um, those anxieties and that sort of urgency, it keeps, those, it keeps first things second. Um, third, we should ask ourselves, of all the priorities in front of you, which one must be done by you? So in other words, which one of these priorities <clears throat> isn't something that can be shared, right? The, the easiest thing for me to think of is a parent. Um, no one can parent your children but you. So that's priority. So if you have a list of things before you, the one that can't be done by anybody else but you should take priority. Um, <clears throat> so we have to uh, consider that as well. Um, maybe according to your skill set, you're at, you're at work and you're trying to figure out if I do A, B, C, or D. You have a unique skill set that really only you of that department can do A and B. I think those things become a greater priority because the Lord has given you a unique skill set to be able to do those things. You may not be able to do them urgently always, but I think that may help us discern if it's a priority for us. Um, um, Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, God has made everything beautiful in his time, sort of switching gears here. And so thinking about um, as our context change over time, our skill sets change over time, um, our values, uh, secondary values change over time, um, our responsibilities change over time from this job to that job, from single to married, from married to empty nester, from, you know, th those things change um, over time. And so praying through that as well. Fourth and finally, <clears throat> we can feel that busyness means importance, which means value. Doing more doesn't always mean that you're doing it better. Um, or it doesn't mean that because you're doing more that um, what you're doing is more valued or should be more valued. We have to think through, through those things. Um, I remember Spurgeon, <clears throat> and I'll close here because of time. I have more, a couple more pages, but I'll, I'll, I'll have to close here. Uh, I'll, I'll end with this. I remember Spurgeon talking to, um, in his book, Lectures to My Students, um, I try to read that once a year because it's so good. You should read it too. That's a plug. Lectures to my students, Spurgeon. Um, in that book, he said that, <clears throat> um, I, I forget the quote now. Um, oh, he said that at times we must uh, seek to glorify God through what he calls, um, I don't want to get it wrong, uh, holy inaction and consecrated leisure. And I read that and I was like, that's weird. Holy inaction and consecrated leisure. He said, in other words, sometimes the most God-glorifying thing you can do is to take a nap. <laughs> and why is this? I think it's because it works against our natural propensity to, <clears throat> especially now in our culture, where we, where we, are, we, we overwork. We overwork. It's like uh, the world glorifies those who seem to be, well, it's, he's, he's a 24-7 grinder. He works. He works. He works. He works. He works. And then he dies of a heart attack. But he was working, and some aspects of hard work, of course, are praiseworthy. You, you see that in Proverbs. But the thing that makes it dangerous is when we, it becomes primary for us, when we find our value in the hours we put in, right? So this doesn't, it shouldn't crowd out our Christian identity. A part of your identity as Christians is that you understand that you're a creature, 
and that God is God and that you have to be rested each night. Right. So we're not robots and we're not God. So part of our humility is I'm limited. I can only do so much in so much time. Thank you, Lord, for what I got to do. Give me rest and go to sleep. Psalm 127, I think, uh, Psalm 127, 3 to 4 says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved rest. So a a principle there, uh, rest, (laughs) uh, take sleep and take delight in the fact that you're a creature and God does does rest you. Um, Okay. I'll stop there for now um, and I'll pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. Okay. Lord, we give you thanks for your word. Um, We thank you for um, the guidance you give us by the Holy Spirit, by the counsel of your word. Um, We pray that you would help us to uh, live our lives as Ephesians says, worthy of the gospel, that you would help us to live before you wisely Um, that we would um, guard our steps, watch our feet, so that in all that we do, we're doing for your glory. Um, Help us to rest in the fact that you are God and we are not, and that we are fully dependent upon you. Um, Even today, you give us um, a a spiritual rest. You give us the Lord's Day, one day in seven, for rest and worship. Um, And help us to to do well with that, to receive all the means of grace you have for us in the Lord's Day, um, and to um, find in it the rest for our souls, a respite from a raging world, um, and to find in this day some form of physical rest as well. And we give you thanks for these things. Um, Our good uh, God, our gracious provider, you who care for us and our souls. To you be glory and honor forever. Amen. All right, you guys are dismissed.